910 Ministries podcast, No Trash, Just Truth. We're your hosts and co-founders of Proverbs 910 Ministries, Rose Spiller and Chris Paxson. Today we're continuing in our series, Real Truth About Real Stuff. We've entitled this episode, When to Speak Up and When to Shut Up. We're going to take a look at when it's okay and maybe even necessary to confront others about something they're doing and when to just keep our mouths shut and mind our own business. But first, Chris, we have some exciting news. Several of you have been asking us about the release date for our book and companion study guide, No Half-Truths Allowed, Understanding the Complete Gospel Message. There's been some unforeseen delays, but we can now say that the official release date is May 8th. Yeah, stay tuned to our website and social media for our cover reveal and our launch party information. And also keep an eye out for upcoming information on our second book, The Bible in Six, which is an overview of all 66 books of the Bible, and that'll be released sometime next winter. Rose, let's get back to when we should speak up and when we should shut up. Ugh, confession time. This is something I struggle with. Although I've grown significantly over the years and I definitely see huge improvements, I still find myself having a hard time in this. Yeah, let's see. I probably don't even have to ask, Rose. I bet you struggle with knowing when to shut up. How did you ever guess? Because in many ways, we're the same person, and that is usually the side I fail on. I've always been someone who's never had a problem speaking up or confronting someone on an issue. And many times, that's a good thing. Being in a management position as I was, it definitely helped in my job. It helped in my marriage, my parenting, my teaching, and some of my friendships. But on the flip side, not knowing when to shut up has caused a lot of harm. I can think of a lot of times when I said something to someone that I didn't need to and ended up hurting them or really ticking them off. And that's the kicker. Being able to speak up is a gift. You wouldn't want a world of people who never spoke their mind or were afraid of confrontation because that would be disastrous for relationships or for spiritual growth. But that gift comes with a responsibility of knowing when not to speak up. You need to recognize the times when you need to turn it off and just stay quiet. And being able to stay quiet and just listen to people around you is also a gift. But like the gift of speaking up, that also comes with responsibility. You need to recognize when it's time to get out of your comfort zone and speak up. Yeah, there's no doubt that speaking up when you should shut up can cause damage and pain, but not speaking up when you should can be just as harmful. So we can safely say that neither extreme is a good thing. And we've both been there, Rose, right? Yep. Yeah, there needs to be balance. So... When does a situation demand that we speak up, whether we are wired to or not? And when does a situation demand that we shut up, even if we have to physically bite our tongue, which sometimes (laughs) I know that we both do? We're going to start by saying that we will be looking at when to speak up or keep quiet with other believers around us. Time doesn't allow us to go into judging unbelievers, except to say that we need to remember that as unbelievers, they don't adhere to the Bible, so we can't expect them to take our pointing out of their sin or false beliefs well. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point to make. And the fact that they're unbelievers and they don't have the Holy Spirit living inside them means they can't even be capable of understanding God's Word. So We'll have to leave confronting unbelievers by saying this, that they don't love God and they have no, defo- no desire to follow his word, so we should probably feel sorry for them more than getting mad at them. Exactly. So let's shift to looking at dealing with other believers, which is a lot more complex. And maybe we'll all learn something. 
surprise, surprise, the Bible, and especially Jesus, has a lot to say on the subject. Probably because God knows how much trouble our tongues get us into. Proverbs 18.21 says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Chris, you could say that not knowing when to speak up or shut up was the cause of original sin. Yeah, I never really thought about it that way, but you really could. If we go back to Genesis chapter 3, when the serpent tempts Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, we see this serpent Satan talking to Eve when he should have kept his mouth shut, and he should have left her alone. His big sin was trying to usurp the authority of God, and what he tells Eve are lies, but he had no business speaking to Eve to begin with. And on the flip side, part of Adam and Eve's sin is not speaking up. First, Eve, when she listens to what Satan says and doesn't correct his lies about God and what God has already told them, and Adam, who never says a word to his wife, and he just takes the apple and eats it. And over 10,000 years later, we're still struggling with this same sin. Yep. Like we said, there's a lot of scripture that talks about when we need to say something and when we shouldn't say anything. But I think we should start with Jesus's words on the subject, specifically in his Sermon on the Mount. Well, Jesus is pretty blunt about it. In Matthew 7, verses 1 through 5, he says, Judge not that you not be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that's in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that's in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye, when there's a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Anytime we speak up to someone about something they're doing or some, some wrong belief they have, we're judging. And it may sound like Jesus is saying, don't judge ever. In other words, don't ever confront anyone about anything they're doing or don't ever correct them about anything or wrong beliefs or anything. But that's not what he's saying at all. No, it's not. The Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew chapter 5 to 7, is a message Jesus gave that's meant for believers only. In it, he teaches what the two great commandments really are and how to live them out. And of course, those commandments are love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and two, love, the na- love your neighbor as yourself. In the verses you just read, Chris, in chapter 7 and the subsequent ones, Jesus is teaching on the latter commandment of love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah, in chapter 6 of Matthew, Jesus has already dealt with our internal spiritual issues. So in chapter 7, he's showing how those internal issues can manifest in the external. In other words, if we don't get our hearts right, our behavior towards God and others is going to show. So before we can even begin to figure out when it's a good and necessary time to speak up and when we need to shut up, we need to examine our hearts. Whether we're confronting someone or staying quiet, if we have the wrong motivation, we'll almost always get it wrong. Chris, there's a psychological term called rankism, and basically this term says that people judge to feel superior to others. Oh, I think that's true in almost every case. I mean, really, that's why we judge other people, to make ourselves feel better, even among Christians. Sometimes we judge others just so we can feel superior ourselves. And worse, we justify our judging as being righteous. We rationalize that we're merely doing what Jesus told us to do in Matthew 5.20, where it says, For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus instructs us to be righteous, and we think we're demonstrating our own righteousness by pointing out other people's unrighteousness. 
But that, my friends, is not righteousness. It's judgment, and that's exactly what Jesus is addressing in these verses. The original Greek word for righteousness in that verse you just read is defined as rightness or justice. Righteousness doesn't mean moral or spiritual superiority, as the Pharisees and sadly many Christians today define it. Our righteousness or rightness, if we're God's elect, comes from Christ, not us. Therefore, rather than feel superior to anyone, we should be humbled, knowing that apart from Jesus, we're the exact opposite of right or just. We're spiritually and morally bankrupt. Which is the condition of the unsaved Pharisees and every believer throughout history. So when Jesus says we need to be more righteous than the Pharisees and scribes, he's saying we need to believe in him as our Lord and Savior because it's the only way we can be righteous. And just like in Matthew 6, 12, where Jesus says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Here in Matthew 7, 1, when he says, judge not or you'll be judged, Jesus is not saying that God uses how we judge others as the gauge for his judgment on us any more than he uses how we forgive others as a gauge for forgiving us. Gosh, I hope not. <laughs> yeah, me too. What, but he's not. Yeah, well, what I know what Jesus is saying is that a chronically judging person or a chronically unforgiving person is most likely not a saved person. And we all know what happens to the unsaved. Instead of receiving the righteousness and saving work of Jesus, they receive the judgment of God, the Almighty Father. And in contrast to that, a saved person who really understands who and what they were before the Holy Spirit regenerated their heart and they accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior won't be so quick to judge and will be more quick to forgive. They will pay forward the grace and compassion they've received from God. They will, as Paul recommends in 2 Timothy 4.2, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. And as we said, this in no way means that there's never a time to judge. I like what John Calvin says about this. Judge not. These words of Christ do not contain an absolute prohibition from judging, but are intended to cure a disease which appears to be natural to us all. This depraved eagerness for biting, censuring, and slandering is restrained by Christ when he says, judge not. It is not necessary that believers should become blind and perceive nothing, but only that they should refrain from an undue eagerness to judge. I love that. And moving on to verses 3 to 5, where Jesus tells us to get the log out of our own eye before we try to remove the speck from our brother's eye, we see that Jesus is using hyperbole and humor to make his point. In the original Greek, log and speck are better translated as beam and splinter. So the comparison of a splinter to a beam gives us a kind of a better illustration of what Jesus is saying. One's a minute piece of wood and the other's big enough to build a house on. So what Jesus is saying is that it's much more significant that we recognize our own sin, the beam, before we go pointing out the sins of others, the splinters. Yeah, I always laugh when I read this because I think of that picture where the, somebody's got a log sticking out of their eye and they're trying to <laughs> get in there and take out the splinter of somebody else's. You know, you'd be like constantly hit them. You couldn't even reach them. But Jesus is pretty clever and pretty funny. So anyway, there's more going on here than just using humor and exaggeration for effect. When we recognize our own sin, when we recognize the saving work of Jesus, which we did nothing to earn, we're hopeless sinners deserving the wrath of God, then we'll be much, much more compassionate and gentle when we confront others about sin. And it should help with our motivation whether to confront or not to confront because we aren't trying to feel superior to someone because we know we aren't. 
We're trying to help a brother or sister get right with God. Something we should all desire that a fellow Christian would do for us if we needed it. Getting a brother or sister right with God can include confronting them with their sin or correcting their false beliefs. Yeah, so once we get our heart right, the next thing we need to do is have some kind of parameters to help us know when it's the right time to speak up to someone or when it's best just to stay quiet. Some of you may have heard that adage that before speaking, you should ask yourself these questions about what you're going to say. Is it true? Is it necessary? Is it helpful? And is it kind? I think that's a good practice when deciding whether or not to speak up, so long as you understand how scripture defines these questions. That's a great point, Chris. What we may think is kind and helpful may not be what the Bible says is kind and helpful. So let's go through each one and see how scripture defines them. The first is the easiest. Is it true? Proverbs 12, 17 says, whoever speaks the truth gives honest advice, but a false witness utters deceit. Make sure you have all the facts about what you're going to confront someone on. Also, make sure you aren't adding to or taking away from those facts. It's not about your opinion or feelings on the matter. It's about truth, God's truth. If you're correcting someone's false belief, make sure you have the truth of scripture to back you up. That's a great point. And the next question, is it necessary, can be answered in Genesis 6.1. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Before we speak to anyone about something they're doing, saying, or whatever, we need to make sure that it is legitimately a sin and not something that just bugs us. Your friend having an affair is a sin. You need to speak to her about it. Your friend having a hideous fashion sense is not a sin, and it's none of your business. Gossiping and talking behind people's backs is a sin, and it's necessary to address. Putting your kids in daycare while you work isn't, so keep your mouth shut. Believing God will save everyone is a false belief and needs to be corrected. Believing our pets will go to heaven may or may not be false belief, but believing it is harmless, so let it go. I love that, Chris. And once we've determined that it's necessary to speak up, we need to make sure that what we say is helpful. Ephesians 4, 29 to 31 says, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. If we go back to confronting the friend who's gossiping, it's not helpful to say your gossiping makes me sick and a bunch of us are just tired of it. <laughs> that may be true, <laughs> That's pretty but funny. it's not helpful to say. No. Besides, making your friend feel like that everyone is talking behind her back is going to put her on the defensive and she's not going to be in a position to listen to anything you're going to say. Instead, try starting off by telling your friend that you love her and that she's better than being a gossip. Then you can show her what scripture has to say about gossip. And if you're confronting someone on a false belief, your beginning, middle, and end should be scripture. Again, it's not about your opinion or feelings on the matter. Absolutely not. And you remind me of another good point that going along with being helpful. Keep it between you and the other person. Don't bring in other people. Don't say things like, I'm not the only one who sees this, or a lot of people are upset about what you're doing. 
Matthew 18, 15 says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Jesus is talking about when someone sins against you personally, but this is good advice anytime you're confronting someone. If at all possible, keep it just between you and the other person. Things will go much better. They will. And the last one, is it kind? This is the one that people may get tripped up on. Because our human nature may say the kindest thing you can do when someone is sinning is not say anything so you don't hurt their feelings or make them mad. Or if you really want to be loving, just let people believe what they want, regardless if it's wrong, what's it really hurting? But Chris, neither of these is kind or loving. No, they're definitely not. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Our speech being gracious, of course, means being gentle and compassionate when speaking up about something. But don't miss the part about being seasoned with salt. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus calls us to be the salt of the earth. Salt gives things flavor, it preserves things, but it's also essential to life. Salt, or sodium chloride as it's called, is the only mineral that's found in every cell in the human body. Just as salt is invaluable to life, so is Jesus. To water down someone's sin in the name of kindness or to allow them to have false beliefs which has led to or may lead to heresy only puts them on a path of self-destruction. Even after we've been saved by Jesus, we need to grow and be sanctified by recognizing our sin and repenting of it. We also need to be learning what scripture says and doesn't say because not doing these things can easily lead to backsliding, sinning, and heresy. Rose, I think that's a great point to make because I think a lot of people think that's exactly how Jesus was, but that's not how he was. No. And not telling someone the whole truth about their sin or not correcting a person's false beliefs and possibly contributing to their backsliding or their heresy is about the unkindest and most unloving thing you can do. And I think I'm going to add one more question to this list. Do I have a relationship with this person that will enable them to hear me? And maybe this should be the first question we ask. Just because we see someone sinning or believing false teaching doesn't mean that we should be the one to speak up about it. If we don't know the person at all or barely know them, all they will hear from us is judgment, no matter how pure your motives are. Chris, I'm so glad you said that. First and foremost, the person we're speaking up to needs to know that we love them and that we have their best interests in mind. So let's end by a summarization. Okay. Speak up when you see someone sinning or adhering to beliefs that are counter to scripture. Otherwise, mind your own business. But before you speak up, make sure you have a real relationship with that person. Make sure you only speak truth to them. Make sure what you say is necessary and helpful. And lastly, make sure your words are tempered with kindness, not compromise. That's an excellent place to end the episode. Thanks for tuning in. If you're enjoying this series so far, please leave a review on whatever platform you listen on. And don't forget to like us and follow us on our website, Proverbs910Ministries.com, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, so you can keep up with book news, speaking engagements, and all things Proverbs 910. Have a blessed day.